Praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. You have joined our Hebrews Bible study right here live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. And I encourage you to check out all our teachings, the worship services, and all that we do here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. You can watch it all on the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel or the church website, which is thecrosswaychurch.com. You can also listen to the messages in audio form on my Spreaker uh, channel, which is for those who have ears to hear. Spreaker is an app you can get on your phone. And my channel, again, is for those who have ears to hear. And everything I do anywhere I am is uploaded in audio form to that uh, particular site on the internet. So avail yourself to what's being offered to you today. And, and uh, let me say this before we uh, dig into the teaching today. I'm so grateful and so honored and so blessed by so many of you who have chosen uh, to give to this ministry toward the preaching of the gospel, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the teaching of God's Word in the context in which it was written, righteousness and truth. And outside of that, it will only cause us to stagger along the way to be wishy-washy, double-minded. But the Word of God was written in spoken by God and written by men in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8 tells us that. Write that down. Look at it later. If you're a brand new uh, a viewer of these broadcasts, I want to encourage you to get ready to learn the Word of God as the context it was written in. But I want to say thank you again to all of you who are giving to Crossway Church because your giving helps us do what God's called us to do. It allows God to reach farther. It allows the Lord to reach farther through this ministry. I believe with all my heart that we're called as we are sending uh, at this present time seven expositor study Bibles into the prison system every week. Not the New Testament, the entire expositor study Bible, just like the one you may have. We send seven of those a week into the prison system. We, are, we believe God has called us to plant churches. And uh, we planted a church two years ago in Wichita Falls, Texas. Pastors Colton and Casey Hill are pastoring that church today. And uh, we're also sowing into a ministry in the Philippines. And we believe God's got more of that in the days ahead. So when you're giving to this ministry, you already know that you're giving to the preaching of the cross. And you know that you're reaching into the prison systems with us. You're reaching into these areas that need cross-preaching churches. There are lots of areas that have churches, even some that have what they call cross-preaching churches. And let me say this, if you're watching me, a cross-preaching church is a church that opens the Bible and points to Christ and His work at Calvary. The Holy Spirit is preaching and teaching God's Word in that avenue. That's exactly right. The Bible says, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. Proverbs 12, 17. In Romans 1, 16 and 17, the Bible declares that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. So the truth and the gospel are one and the same thing. So again, thank you for sowing into what God has shown you is a ministry 
of truth, a ministry of righteousness. No, we're not the only ones. People will say that we think we are. We know we're absolutely not and thank God for that. But you who've given to this ministry, God, you already know he's already doing it. He's, he's pouring out upon you because you're sowing in to the message he offers all of humanity. And I thank God for you. I thank God for all that you're doing to help us do what God's called us to do. You're a part of it. Praise the Lord. This is the last day of the year. And uh, it's been a dark year for the world, but it's been a bright year for those who've come back to Calvary, those who are on the path of the just. What is the path of the just? It's the path of those who are justified by the blood of Jesus. The Bible declares in Proverbs 4 and 18 that that path, the path of the just, will shine more until the perfect day. So it, no matter how dark the world gets, and my friend, it was lit up like a globe light this last year compared to where the world is headed in its darkness. But if you and I will cling to that nail-scarred hand, if you and I will stay on the path, stay the course, that path will get brighter and brighter and brighter, so says the Lord. He can't lie. You just have to trust him, and I've chosen to. Praise God. The path of the just is the way of righteousness. The path of righteousness. The path of righteousness is the way, the path of the cross. Hallelujah. It's learning to live the crucified yet resurrected life of Jesus Christ by His Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's dig into this fourth part of Hebrews chapter 1. It's been great. It's been good already. And it's, uh, it's going to be great as we travel through this great letter. I believe the Lord's coming over the, probably today. If He doesn't, it only means one thing. He's coming tomorrow. That's the way I live. That's the way I look at it. If He doesn't come today, that means He's coming tomorrow. And I, I truly believe because of what I've been hearing and what I've been looking at over the last couple of months that He's coming over the next three years. I believe that with all my heart over what I've seen and what I've uh, watched. And uh, I believe the Lord is stirring it in my heart uh, that we need to prepare for the work that lies ahead in this life. He will prepare us for that. He will equip us for that. And He is also preparing us for our ruling and reigning with Him. And I know that to be true because... The Bible declares he who's faithful with a little will be made ruler over much. Well, here we're not ruling anything. We're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years on this earth as priests and kings. So it's our mission to be faithful with what he's laid before us to be faithful with. And we can't do that outside being mindful of his covenant. And by the way, please go and listen to last night's message. You missed a gold mine if you didn't hear it. Praise God. All right, let's look at this. Verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, I'm calling this today our discussion on the third segment of verse 3. The first portion of verse 3 was about the brightness 
Jesus being the brightness of God's glory. And if you miss those sessions, please go listen to those. We went back into the book of Exodus and, and, and showed some things there that you need to see. The second portion of this third verse is that Jesus is the very, he's the express image of God's person. Nobody knows God unless they know Jesus Christ. No, everybody on the planet, even those that call themselves atheists, they've changed their names from fools to atheists. They know there's a God. Everybody know there, knows there's a God. When, at the great white throne judgment, when all those who were lost and never received Christ rejected God, didn't want anything to do with Him, the reality that He is God will be there, but this will also be there, the reality that they always knew there was a God. God has placed eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I believe it's verse 11, 10 or 11 in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He's placed eternity in our hearts. We know this is not it. And to say it is, we're just lying to ourselves. And, uh, and he's given us a, a creation to realize there's a creator. And he's given us a conscience, the, the, the moral law written in our hearts. Men are without an excuse. But nobody knows God unless they know Christ. John 17, 3. Let's look at that this morning before we move on. John 17, 3. Write it down. Look at this uh, in more depth. Because Jesus says this is eternal life. I love it when the Bible says this is something because when it says that, that is what it is. Hallelujah. It's not okay, I see that, but I think no, no, uh, there's a way that over here that seems right to man, but Proverbs says in more than one place that way always ends in death. Separation from God. Separation from what God is doing, from what he's saying. So I love it when the Bible says, this is something. I love it when the Bible says, this is love. In this is love. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In here is love. In this is love. And then it, it shows the picture of what God did in His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. But look at this, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they might know you. The only true God. This is Jesus speaking this in his prayer in John chapter 17. And this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Outside of that, faith in Christ, the one God sent, don't nobody know God. Pharaoh in Egypt worshipped flies, frogs, moon, sun, the water, they worshipped everything that was not God's, but they made them God's because they refused to seek the one true God. And when the one true God showed up through his servant Moses and even showed miracles, he said, I'm sticking with my gods. And in all reality, because the main God we worship is ourselves if we don't know God through the person and the work at the cross of His Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So let's go back to this now for the third segment today. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The third part says, And this Jesus, who is the brightness of God's glory, the one who is the very image of His person, is also the one who is upholding all things by the word of His power. And I want to talk about that phrase today the Word 
of His power. The Holy Spirit didn't make a mistake. It doesn't mean the power of His Word. It means the Word of His power. That means there is a Word of God that empowers Jesus. Let's look at it. Jesus Christ is upholding everything. He created everything. We've seen that. He, 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 he's heir of all things because God used Him, His Son, the Word, to create all things. Jesus is creator of all things. He's upholder of all things. He's redeemer of all things that will be redeemed. And He is going to be the judge of all things. And so here when He says that he, Jesus Christ is upholding all things by the Word of His power. And again, let me restate this. It does not say, and it was not intended to say, the power of His Word, but the Word of His power. Because the Word of His power is the Word that He was sent to this earth to obey. Let's look at it. John, uh, what is it? John 10 and 18. John 10 and 18. Let's look at this and be reminded today that Jesus, who is God the Son, had to become the Son of Man to be the Lamb of God to take away our sin. He had to live an obedient life without sin or flaw, any stain at all, and He had to lay His life down for the sins of humanity as the spotless Lamb of God. And in doing that, as a humble, obedient man, he, humble, obedient man, he was obeying the commandment that sent him here because God loves us and wanted to redeem us, but he had to be humble and obedient unto death. Watch what Jesus said now because I believe that this is what ties Hebrews 1 and 3, the third segment there, that he's upholding all things right now. He's upholding all things right now. Jesus Christ at the right hand of God, and we'll see that later in this same verse, but He is upholding all things right now by the word of His power. And let's look at what that word is. John 10 and 18 says, Jesus declaring this of Himself, No man takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself, I have power. <laughs> Watch now. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. I have power, Jesus said, to, to, to lay my life down, and I also have power to take it up again. Listen, why? Because this commandment I have received of my Father. That word that you will go and lay your life down for the sins of humanity. Think about that. And, and let me say this, and this is something the Lord's really been impressing on my heart lately. There is no round table with God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There is no round table of discussion. God doesn't sit at a table and make plans. God has thoughts. His thoughts are His plans. Know that. When you and I prepare to go somewhere to carry out some mission, we sit down, we talk it over, we make plans, uh, 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 but the steps are ordered of the Lord. Amen? 
God doesn't sit around a table and make plans. Right now, God knows everything He will ever do because of every situation that will ever exist. He already knows it right now. He's not going to have to have a roundtable meeting and discuss it and try to figure something out. If there's something today that God does not... That, let me just say it this way, is the way I like to say it. If God has a new thought today, that means yesterday there was something He didn't know, He wasn't aware of, and that's not our God. God knows everything all at one time right now, everything that He will ever know. You need to, now that, that, that's what God means through the prophet Isaiah when he says his way of thinking and his ways are, are so much higher than ours. They're as high as the heavens are above the earth. We can't comprehend that. Again, we make plans to go do something. God thinks, he, his, he knows, Jeremiah 29 says, he knows in some translations say his plans. He knows what his thoughts, his plans are toward us. His plans, you look the word up, one of the words there, it means thoughts. His thoughts toward us. Again, God does not sit around and try to figure things out. God knows right now what he's going to do in every situation throughout the eons. and I don't even like putting phrases on, on the future because there is no limit. There's no end to the future. God knows everything he's going to say, everything he's going to do. And we need to realize that. And Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. Now God used those in that day to carry out his will. They didn't know they were doing it. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and said, if the princes of this world would have known what they were doing, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Why is that? Because the very power of death the devil had, God only let him have the power of death because he knew he would destroy himself with it one day. He knew that he would attempt to uh, uh, put Christ to death, and he did. I mean, Satan and the religious rulers of Israel and the nation of Israel rejected Christ, <coughs> called him a, a son of Belial, and, and put him on a cross and crucified him. That's what they wanted, crucify him, crucify him. But Jesus said, listen, it's not really, can you see this? It's not really them taking my life. It's me voluntarily through the humble act of obedience to the commandment I've received, the word of power. See, this is where we are in Hebrews 1 and 3. That word of of power, the word that gave him power to lay his life down, the word that gave him power, and it was a word of commandment. You've got to understand that. God doesn't give options here. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, as a man begins to look, maybe there's another option. God did not, God did not answer there being another option, and Jesus realized it, and he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. The first words from God to the first Adam in the garden, the Bible says, and the Lord God commanded the man. God doesn't give us options A, B, or C. He tells you not to forsake the assembling of yourselves with those. He's talking about going to church, being planted in the house of the Lord where they're preaching the message of the cross, by the way. He, he, he doesn't say, well, you, you can do this if you want to, if this, if that. No, he says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He tells you to bring all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. He doesn't say, oh, but, you, you, but if you want to, you can do this also with your finance. No, it, God doesn't give options. 
God gives commands. And only as we humble ourselves, trusting, listen to this very important comment, I cannot humble myself unless my faith is in the one that humbled himself and gave himself for me at Calvary. I don't humble myself unless my faith is in the humility and the obedience of Christ. It's the only place. The cross is the only place God accepts us becoming obedient and walking in obedience. So Jesus said, no man's taking my life. No man taking it from me. Now men were used in the process of what happened, but Jesus said no man's taking it. They tried to kill him before, wanted to kill him before, and he walked right through. He said, because it's not my time. It's not my time. Here came his time. And yes, they were used, but Jesus declares what I hope you and I know and can see. No man took his life from him, but because he had been commanded to lay his life down and he had been commanded to take it up again, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the commandment which was to come and die. Do you get that? Do you understand that? He became obedient to the word of God's power. I'm going to say that again. He became obedient to the word of God's power. And that is, my friend, what we see here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, when the Bible is describing Jesus as the one and only one who's upholding all things. By the word of his power. The word of his power is the word he was sent by command to lay his life down and to raise it up again so that you and I could be crucified and buried and put away that old sin nature, that old man, so that we could be resurrected with him in newness of life and live unto God by him. And if that's where our faith is daily, we can serve God. We can live unto God. But we just can't do that on our own terms. Somebody recently told me that you just live for God. You, you, how do you live for God? You just live for God. They, don't, they themselves do not know how to live for God. You ask a Christian today, how do you live for God? They'll tell you. Well, they'll start night. Well, you go to church, you do this. No, we didn't ask what do you do when you're living for God. How do you live for God? How do you find the power to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to be a witness, to be a student of the Word, to bring all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse that you've not forsaken, by the way? How, how do you live for God? You, and you don't get to do it on our, we don't get to do it on our own terms. Jesus didn't come to carry out the will of God on his own terms. He came to carry out the will of God by the command of God. And the only way that takes place is if we humble ourselves and become obedient to the word of his power, which is the word of the cross. We know that because Paul wrote the preaching, the word. Of the cross. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power 
of God. Are you grabbing a hold of this a little more each and every day? Are you growing in the knowledge of Christ, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you growing just in, 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 is there just an increase of where things are written in the Bible, an increase of your ability to quote the scriptures? Or is there an increase of the revelation growing in your heart, the illumination, the light of God's word in the person of the living word and what he did at Calvary to become that shining light of the word of God in your heart for the path that lies ahead of you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Watch this now. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. And, and I believe the Lord helped us this morning to explain this very well. The word of his power. And if you missed what we just talked about, please go back to the beginning and, and go through this with your Bible in your lap so you can see these things with your own eyes. And I like the next part. Talking about Jesus here. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. Really an overall statement about the book of Hebrews. It is the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ in that He's better than angels to a measure that's unmeasurable. He's better than Moses and all that God did in the Old Covenant. He, fought, he surpasses beyond what our minds can imagine. But I like this next portion, this fourth portion of this third verse. It says, When he had by himself purged our sins... He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now that's the, really the fifth part we'll talk about in the coming broadcast. But this fourth part, when he had by himself purged our sins, and that word purged actually means cleansed us from our sins. And let me make sure we get this right today. I can't help God purge me from my sins. I've got a Bible. It's right here. It tells me He purged me from my sins all by Himself. He did the work. He finished the work. He declared the work was finished. If I try to believe for a second that He did not finish the work on the cross in His death, then I am eliminating myself from the very grace God is offering me. The grace of God only flows into my life what, not for me, not because I'm going to do something, but because I'm believing the right thing. Galatians 2 and 21 bears that out. The grace of God is God doing something, and the grace of God only flows into our lives through the very taste of death by the grace of God Jesus tasted for us at Calvary, Hebrews 2 and 9. If you're listening to me right now, and you possibly could be listening to me with the thought that I get all this, but we, we, we move on past this. We all Let me tell you something, folks. We grow in the knowledge of Christ or we're not growing by the Spirit of Christ. We're growing in the grace of Christ. That means the grace He tasted death by, our faith being there, or we're not growing by the Spirit of Christ. We can increase in our knowledge of where scriptures are written, even how these scriptures attain to your bondage or your bondage. But if we're not seeing them and trusting in the word of God with our anchor as the cross, the, the work of Christ in his death at Calvary, the word is being used out of its context and the Holy Spirit won't operate in that. He won't impart through that. If he would, 
then we have the right to throw the entire letter to the Galatian church away and much else of what's written in the new covenant. God is bringing his people, those who will repent and come back to the place of hearing and receiving. Read Revelation 3, the church in Sardis. They were caught off guard by God. They thought that they were alive. They had a name that they were alive, but Jesus says you're dead. And he said there's only a few among you who've not stained their garments. I want you to read that. That's the church right now. There's only a few among those all across the globe who've not stained their garments. The staining of the garment, first of all, let's say, and realize they have a garment. They've been given a garment, and that garment is the garment of righteousness. The way it is stained, the message there is to the church with stained garments, is to repent and come back to a place they didn't even know they left, but God found them off track to the place of hearing and receiving. That can only happen at the cross. There's where we begin to hear. There's where we begin to receive. And God has not offered another place for us to place our faith to hear or to receive. I hope that you would join us on these broadcasts every Monday and Thursday morning as we allow the Lord to lead us through the great letter of Hebrews. God is going to show us things that we've never seen before because He's brought us back to the seeing and the hearing and the receiving place, which is faith exclusively in His work at Calvary. There's where we hear, there's where we see, and there's where God imparts. There, by the way, is the only place we can be in agreement with the Lord. You can agree that God's word is right, but if you're not in agreement with him about what the cross means for your life today and every day, then there's something wrong in our agreeing with God. And we're probably we're not in agreement with him. We may agree that this scripture's right. I believe it. It's got to be right. God said it. I believe it. But if the focus of our faith is not the cross of Christ, the work he carried out there in humble obedience unto death, Everything will be blurred, the the walk will be staggered, and the enemy will be able to lead us through the lust of our own flesh down an exit ramp that really God hasn't put there. There are no exit ramps that are the will of God. There's only a finish line. Keep running the race, fighting the fight, believing the truth of Christ and Him crucified. This is the last day of 2020. It's been a dark year for the world. And it's going to be another darker year for the world this next year. But for those who will cling to the cross, they will carry this blood-stained banner. They will continue to favor God's righteous cause. There will be a shout of joy among us. There will be voices and testimonies of God's goodness and praise on our lips throughout this whole year. I know that because God has already promised us in Psalms chapter 66 that He's already crowned our year with goodness and dropped fatness, which is abundance in this path He has for us. God bless you. I love you. And I thank God for every one of you. And don't forget... 
I'll be in the, in, in, here in the morning continuing our study in 2 Timothy at 9 a.m. Join us if you can. God bless you. Share these messages and don't forget to sow into the ministry. Become a part of where you're hearing and learning the truth of God's Word. He loves you and He wants to do great and mighty things in your life. I'll see you in the morning, but until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you.